hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I am here today with a first-time podcaster, Fraser Gregory. Say hello, Fraser. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, we've got a, a particularly well-loved Doctor Who story to talk about today, don't we? Everyone's favourite. Yeah. Everyone's this one. It usually polls pretty high, doesn't it? You know, when they do yeah. those... DWN surveys. <laughs> okay, well, look, you tell me. Did I ask you to do this one, or did you ask me? Um, I think I sort of volunteered. I think you said, yeah, you can come on if you do it if you want. And I said, thought about it a little bit, like you say, first-time podcaster. Um, I had to give it a bit of thought. But, oh, yeah, go for it. Take the plunge. Um. Well, yeah, all I can say is we've been talking for about half an hour before this, and you certainly got a lot to say about Doctor Who, so podcasting is not going to be an issue, I don't think, oh, for you. Um, all right, well, you tell people what we are going to talk about then. <laughs> so today's choice is everyone's favourite Hartnell, William Hartnell story, The Space Museum. The Space Museum. Um, which you can, you can never stop anyone talking about, which oh, I found okay. out is, you know... There's there's so much out there. Of, this is complete lies. There's there's nothing there's nothing to find out. If you go and research the space museum, you'll find absolutely nothing. Well, you've got a, a particular a, a magazine document right there, don't you? Yes, I have the Doctor Who magazine special edition, which is in their own words, volume one, um, which is produced by Doctor Who magazine. It's volume one, nineteen sixty three to nineteen sixty nine, and essentially this is um, just interviews with the you know producers the script editors um creators of the show essentially it's all just every story everything that happened in their own words so i thought yeah this will be great we'll get this down from the lot you've got and, like um, 10, 10 pages on the space museum glenn jones william hartnell verity lambert there's one paragraph from from Jeremy bullock um to describe the the space museum that's so sad um, and I know you've got the 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 uh, Doctor Who handbook, the first Doctor Who handbook yes. book that came out, and I think in that it was universally panned by the authors. Yep, absolutely. I'll tell you what, Fraser. I think those books have a lot to do with uh, the opinions that have seeped into fan consciousness over the years. No, absolutely. Um, you know, in sort of like the wilderness years when I was growing up, um, you know, I started watching. Uh, Doctor Who when I was eight years old, watching Remembrance of the Daleks. So I got two series out of that. And then in sort of into my teenage years, things like the handbook were my guide. Yeah. You know, so yeah. was it was what you read to I poured it. Do you remember the um the discontinuity guide? I yes. poured over that like religiously. Yeah. So I, I I got this opinion in my head that all the Peter Davison stuff was amazing and all the Collie Baker stuff was terrible. And then yeah. I watched it and I was like, what are they talking about? You know, like, <laughs> I think, you know, it's one of the brilliant things about Twitter is, um, yes, it can be an absolute hell site at times, but you go on and you hear people talking about um, stories which, you know, you've read in the handbook as being terrible, and it gives a new life to it. Um, yeah, for sure. I think the, the prime example of that would be Fang Rock. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I didn't care much for that when I was growing up. I watched it on UK Gold. And then you hear people 
see how good it is, you go back and you watch it and you think, actually, yeah, mm. yes, it's bottom. Um, and I think, obviously, the Space Museum fills, fits right into that as well. Um, it's one of the ones where, like you say, it gets three out of ten in, in the handbook. Um, I mean, I think know, the only person I've ever heard give it like a genuinely positive criticism is Rob Shearman on the DVD, who yes. um, sells the idea that it's a comedy, written as a comedy, but directed as a drama. And as we go through <laughs> that, I'm going to really look out for that, because I think there's probably some truth in that. There's, there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth in that. I think if you know, if you do take that comedy element um, and you look at it through a lens, if it's, it is a bit of a comedy, you enjoy it a lot more, um, especially like the um, second, third and fourth episodes. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, let's be honest, the first episode on its own merits is very good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's do some justice for the Space Museum then. Are you are you watching your end or am I sharing a screen? Um, I've got it ready to go on my end. God, I'll tell you, I wish everyone was as prepared as you. Okay, right, so I will count us in then. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go. I can't actually, I can remember when this, no, this didn't come out on VHS with The Chase, did it? The Chase came out with uh, Remember no, the Daleks. The Chase came out in the Daleks tin. Yeah, that's right. With Remembrance of the Daleks. Did this, did this come out on its own then? It would have done, yeah. Must have done. Oh, sure, yeah, I don't, I don't have any vivid memories though of watching this when it originally came out. No, I watched this for the very first time just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got it off my brother um, for a birthday present and just kind of sat there until uh, a week or two ago when I, I give it a will. Well, here's a question for you then. Do you have any other gaps, like uh, alpha stories that you haven't seen yet in Classic Who? Yes, I've got me, I've got me bad fan list of um, of things that I should have seen but I haven't. Um, so, which I'm working down. I got through the Romans mm. um, just yesterday. Um, the Sensorites, I haven't. Okay. Got are, that are, are they mostly Hartnells then? Um, no, they're mostly um, Tom Baker's. To be honest. Um, Oh, I'm so it's... I am so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's quite a few in um season fifteen. And so I haven't seen Invisible Enemy, I haven't seen Underworld, so make us I'm I'm suddenly less jealous all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what is occurring on the screen right now? Okay. Ah, well this bit is it's very strange because of strange clothes. They've started the episode dressed as they were in the crusade, um, just beforehand, and then all of a sudden, the they've changed to the normal clothes. And do you know and what? Then, that line just there—it was almost like a, out of one of Stephen Moffat's sex comedy episodes. She goes, "Doctor, we've got our clothes on," and she's like, "Well, I could hope so." <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is the funny thing. It's it's you know the doctor's just not bothered. No. They're all going, no, "What?" You know, literally, I was dressed as a princess and now i'm dressed normally and he's just ah whatever so okay okay so i'm really pleased you're here because maybe you can explain the plot to me because i don't ever quite understand so they they haven't arrived yet on xeros right well they have but they sort of haven't they've they've jumped the time track whatever that means so they're both there and not there yet they're there 
but no one can see them, no one can hear them, so we'll find out soon. It's sort of like they've arrived before they should do, you know, they're, they're there, time needs to catch up with them um, before anything can actually happen. Because they go out, don't they? And But they don't leave any footprints and no one can nope. see them. No. Nope. So when she drops the glass here, she hasn't yes. done that yet. That's why it leaks back into her hand. That That's yeah. due to happen later. Oh, I'm yeah. so confused. Well, you know, reasons of plot is when to get a glass of water for the doctor, just so we can show that, um, you know, strange things are happening. I think this is quite yeah. a nice effect, you know. The it's good. It, it's got the, um, that um, incidental music as well. That's something that always... That struck us about this episode was the incidental music's really. It's all um, it's all from stock as well, so it's not yeah. like original music, is it? And I, there's certain cues that I recognise from other stories. Yeah. So yeah. Is that always a good indication then that they've run out of money that they needed to, <laughs> to head to the library? I think if you, if you listen to the commentary on this one, um, to do mention that this was. This particular story was sandwiched between two more expensive ones. So you've got something like the Web Planet that's come one or two before. You've got the Chase that's coming up next. So it is yeah. sort of suffering a little bit from um, what's happening either side of it in terms of. I, mean, I still can't believe to this day that they gave Richard Martin those two epics to direct. <laughs> I mean, have you seen those two? I mean, they are something else. Yeah. Web Planet is is just fantastic. I'll you know the Web Planet being a, a brilliant Doctor Who episode is is the hill I'll die on. Well, I've Quite always happy. said I will always say that Doctor Who should always be ambitious, and I think yeah. I don't think it's ever been more ambitious than the Web Planet. Absolutely, it's you know it, the, the take that that's idea of the TARDIS can go anywhere in time and space, anywhere, and really run with that and take yeah. it the next logical step, which is well, they're not always going to land on a planet. Of humanoids, and um, the land will land on the planet of giant ants and the giant moths. Um, and it's just a bit of a shame that they didn't quite manage to pull it off as well as they would like to have done. Or what's well, what's amazing is in the new series, they probably do have the money to pull that sort of thing off now, and they've yeah. never done anything as ambitious as that. I don't, think. yeah, absolutely. I think the you know, the. The closest they've come is you know having like three people or um all the macra at the bottom of, of gridlock oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of swimming around but they've never really you know tried to do anything quite as ambitious as that and did you hear the doctor just then when vicky was like it did happen and he's like yes yes child we believe you yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever whatever let's go outside <laughs> now this is a really good bit with william russell there if you notice what he's doing when he comes out the TARDIS. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't take the credit for spotting this. I did here somewhere else, but he's bumping his fists when he leaves the TARDIS. Oh, and he's still doing it when he comes and out. he's still doing it when he comes ah, out. Yeah. So obviously, you know, he's he's done that bit. You know, he's had to think about that, yeah. you know, going from one set to the other. You know, this is what I'm doing when I'm coming out and this is... I mean, I watched a story the other day, right, where in the 70s, I think it was the Sunmakers, that um, uh, Leela goes out and then the Doctor, and then you cut to outside the TARDIS and the Doctor comes out first and then Leela. 
So they can't even get the order of like, whereas this is an actor who's clearly thinking about, you know, yeah, what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one, one of the things is about this whole story is brilliant is, is really Russell's performance. He's, you know, um, we'll see later on, he's, he's so intense. And... He's in a bad mood in this one, isn't he? Like, he is. he's, he's ready to thump someone. He is. And I, I, and I think I can understand. I mean, if, if that was, you know, what was happening is like, oh, well, I've suddenly changed clothes and things are going strange. And, you know, the doctor's just, yeah. Ah, what about what, boy? What about what, yeah. <laughs> like, to him, this is just like, this is like a, you know, a Saturday, you know, this is a normal day for me. Yeah. He, he really does sell this sort of like on edgeness of, you know, things aren't right and no one's really explaining it to us. And, Okay, I have to I have to take a moment to appreciate the astonishing backdrop planet landscape they've got there. <laughs> I, okay, I'm taking the piss, but I do think they they like like in the Aztecs and stories like that, when they do like these perspective backdrops, they look quite good. You skip forward to the '80s and something like Time Fly, it looks dreadful. Yes, yeah, just painted on. Oh, that, that was really clever. They were like, "Oh, how big is the planet?" And then it cuts to them like a bit later, look, finding the, yeah. the building. It makes it makes it feel like there's been um, like a passing of space, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's there's good model work beforehand. There's you know the, the outside the museum where they put all the rockets and whatnot. Really, does you know some good model work, and you know so then they cut to the actual outside of the museum. Which is that is that like a flat? Say it. I can't tell with those like triangles. I think it is because the doors open soon and when people start coming out. So oh yeah, it is. But it's it's quite clever. I think it looks quite good. It's all sliding doors in the in the museum. I remember as well. I have to confess something, Fraser. I can watch this four doing anything at all. Like I, I can even watch the four of them in the chase episode one, just watching TV for an episode. <laughs> Well, when Ian's dancing with those moves to the oh. Beatles, then, yeah. That's kind of like how I dance, you know. Yeah, dad dancing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you are a father, so you have an excuse. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's a moment in a minute where it's coming up just now where, where Vicky almost does a comedy sneeze and gives them away. <laughs> I'm going to let you know, I did one of these for Delta and the Bannerman the other day. And the doctor nearly does a comedy sneeze in that and gives them away at the end of episode one. So the comedy sneezes, it lasts the whole of Classic Who. Yeah. But this is the thing I don't get about this episode, though, is, is why the hiding? Because... Well, do, they don't really know yet, do they? They don't know that they haven't arrived yet. No, they've just kind of got there. And the doctor's just been to the museum. So we're going up to the museum and people are coming out of the museum. You'd think, well... Win, you sell ourselves, buy tickets, whatever. But God, could you imagine if you were if you could be somewhere and no one could see you? I'd just go. I would literally have so much fun. <laughs> oh yes. Oh bless. Maybe they shouldn't have had that that back shot there of the planet. Like you could see it was like a cyclorama, you know. And then, oh, you can see the falls in it and everything. Yeah. Bless them. Bless them. A lack of window, so it's basically like going to like space IKEA, yeah. Yeah. Once you're in, you're never coming out. No, it's it's corridors. The museum's just all corridors now. Whenever they go in. 
what, what do you think about he so he just had a, a fabulous fluff there where he tried to say fluorescent and he ended up saying fluff blah, 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 blah. um i think that that kind of adds to his character though the... yeah, it totally does it's you know it's it's classic bill isn't it you know um no, that's classic bill look at him right now clutching his lapels <laughs> yeah but you know it, it's it's you, you expect it from the first doctor you don't expect him to get um you know every line right you don't expect him to get every name right you know certainly in the first series when he's he's chatterton and chatterton and oh yeah you know it's the line between is he miss oh. you know is that the character not learning ian's name or is that just bill hartnell fluffing his lines probably it's, a bit of both of, yeah yeah it's it, the the line between is so blurred you can't really tell this is genius i love the fact that they've got a dalek in the museum yeah. they, they're basically taking the mickey out of one of the staples of the show already absolutely you know and this is the thing everyone complains about the chase which is coming up next you know sort of the, the daleks are you know buffoons essentially but you know they've already started this um you know, stripping them down and, and making them a bit more comedy. When he gets inside and he's like, I fought them all. I am the master. <laughs> it's so funny. I think that's in this episode. But it's nice as well because it reminds the audience of the Daleks before yep. the Daleks come back. Yeah. It's a nice little bit for Vicky as well because, you know, oh, yes, I remember Daleks. There was Daleks in the history books from yeah. 300 years ago. And it kind of, you know, reminds you that Vicky's... You she, know, she's a human, she's a human girl, but she's not from our time. She, she is. does get like these weird bits of backstory, doesn't she? Do you remember when she's like, yeah. um, oh, I had to go to school almost an hour a week in the web planet. <laughs> and what is yeah. it? I've never heard of aspirin before. <laughs> what would you, how would you feel if I wanted to stick leeches all over you? <laughs> I, I think um, uh, Maureen O'Brien and Vicky don't get enough credit. I, 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 no. I, I'm not that keen on Susan. So, and I think Vicky is Susan Dunn, yeah. right? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's like you say. There's no disrespect to Caroline Ford or anything, but Susan's character was just, you know, she was the one to fall over and sprain her ankle, and mm. you know, she was the one that needed rescue, and she was the one that would get into trouble. She was the one that got separated from them. Whereas, you know, Vicky is a bit brighter, a bit more. Um, useful as it were can i you said no disrespect can i disrespect caroline Ford just for a second because okay. because i've never heard anyone like in interviews complain so much that something like ruined their career like she talks <laughs> about that all the time in interviews about how oh she couldn't get work after doctor who well uh, i'm just gonna get this straight now that a lot of actors got a lot of good work after doctor who maybe they were just better actors i'm gonna stop there i'm gonna stop there Oh, this effect of her going through the equipment. Oh, yeah. It, and then, don't touch anything, Vicky. Oh, okay, I'll try and touch this then. Yeah. Well, cool. She's supposed to be like the, the irritating little girl, isn't she? She is. She was like filling the Susan role. Fraser, is that a person in that costume there? Or is that a mannequin? It looks like a person. It's just a mannequin, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Hi. Um, so what do you think about like the season two Hartnell? Because obviously season one, for, for quite a bit of it, he was 
a bit a bit crabby and a bit nasty. He was, he was and you know, there's there's a development, isn't there, from from season one where he's very much the anti-hero. He's very much, you know, these people are intruding into my world and I want rid of them. And but at the same time, I do want to look around alien planets and and so on. And then it's it, it's quite different watching him in season two because he's he's chuckling away. He's lots a lot mellower. You know, he's kind of if anything, it's, it's he's got rid of Susan. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like. He's less paternal, so he can have a bit yeah. more fun. I always think he's a bit like like um sometimes I say like cuddly grandfather, but I think he's more like a cheeky uncle, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah. like in the Web Planet, he just spends the whole first episode giggling like a loony and running he around does. that planet. Yeah. And it's 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 the same in like the, the time medlev as well. He's he's just chuckling away at that. He's he's gonna have some good chuckles in this one as well. Yeah. Um, this is yeah, a, this is almost like his his highlight year, isn't it? Because then you skip forward to the next year, and he's being written out all the time, and his health yeah. declining. And this this is this is it. This is a Matty's peak, I think. Um, you know this this patch. Yeah, certainly certainly the Romans. If you look at his performance in the Romans, that oh, is sublime. That, that's be cardinal. That is that is. Do you know that bit where he's like, um... kill Nero? I beg your pardon. That is so funny. Yeah, he's he's very dry. Yeah. He's a very. I mean, he's got a comedy talent, but he's he's very dry with it. And I think he wasn't quite as keen on the Romans being as farcical as it was. Uh -huh. um, I think he was he wanted to play it a little bit more, um, a bit straighter. But you know, and, and certainly in, in an episode like this where he gets so many good good opportunities to show that he is a, a natural comedian like he, 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 do you remember in the gunfires he's loving that isn't it like yes. he's in his look at the tardis like it's yes it's painted on a bit of glass isn't it but... i know but oh okay but, but when it comes to special effects as well i think the fact that you know they didn't have money and they didn't have a many like ways of creating effects i think the fact that they managed to achieve something like this yeah yeah i think you know this is you know a criticism that even when you grow up and you've been a doctor who fan of, of the classic series you get hurled at you all the time it's wobbly sets it's you know terrible special effects and it's you know if you come into doctor who to complain about the special effects then you're quite possibly coming at the wrong program yeah Completely. you know it's if, you, if, you, if it's you, a you, slick production you're looking for, then go and watch, yeah. I don't know, Battlestar Galactica or something like that. The new yeah, one. absolutely. Go watch Buck Rogers, whatever. Yeah. You know, come, come, here, come come watch the characters, come see what we can do on a budget. You know, um, look at, you know, what we can imagine and what we can create. You know, two series, two episodes before this, we've had the Web Planets, you know, you've had um, giant ants and moths running around the place. Yeah. Um, you know, this is what we can do. It's big ideas, though, isn't it? Like, you've had the Dalek invasion of Earth. You've yeah. had, um, what, what comes after that? The rescue. Oh, okay, that's not really a big ideas one. There's only one suspect in that murder mystery. Um, <laughs> but you've got the Web Planet, which is, like, a, a massive high-concept story. This is really high-concept as well. Yeah. You're about to have the Daleks chasing the Doctor through, like, all yeah. of time and space. Yep. Do you think there's a reason? Okay, here's a question for you. Do you think there's a reason why we don't let this go as adults? I'm 40 years old. 
And I love this as much as when I was like nine years old. Um, to be honest, I think there is a bit of nostalgia, nostalgia going on. Um, certainly, I think when I look, you know, rewatch the the series that you know I bought on the VHS, so things like the Dominators, love it. Claws of Axos, love it. You know, did you just say? Did you just that... say you love the Dominators? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I love you a little bit for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's. It's one of these things where you you start hearing people talk about it, you think, well, why why are you you're not why do you not like the Dominators? It's it's quite fun, but anyhow. Um, so I think Fraser, maybe, of... maybe we should do that one at some point, <laughs> and you could explain to me why I should love the Dominators. It's it's not that bad, it really. I watched I rewatched it because I, I had to. Laugh. I thought you know there's that many people saying it's boring and it's and everything, and, and I watched it. I was really entertained. Um, I think I think well, like Fraser Hines and Patrick Troughton can make anything entertaining. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. You've got you've got Pat and Fraser running around, just you know, coming towards the end of what they were going to be doing, but just you know, they've, they've been doing it for four years, three years so far. You know, they know what they're doing inside and out. They're just having a blast. You know, you, you've got Wendy coming in um, as the new companion and having a, having a good go at that as well. The yeah. Dominators themselves, you know, just oh, spend five they, episodes. Spending. They are the ultimate yeah. gay power couple in Doctor Who, those <laughs> two, you know. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I could just hear people now. They'd be thinking, this is the best episode of the Space Museum, and they're talking about the Dominators. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could be worse. It could be the cliffhanger we're talking about. Um, no, Fraser, this is our podcast tonight, all right? So what we say goes. Absolutely. Well, this is, yeah. Okay, so I've lost the plot. What's going on? So the the found the found themselves in the space museum. The the company the bit where they're in the um in the glass cabinets. Ah, and, yeah. You know, so the doctor's sort of figured what's happened. We've jumped the time track. We've seen the future. We're not really here yet. Time's going to catch up. Well, I still don't understand what that means. Like, how are they there then? It's it's it's. Yeah. Wibbly wobbly timey. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I knew you were gonna pull out some Moffatism then. This I'm wondering if Stephen Moffat watched this episode and then was like, I'm gonna do six seasons of Doctor Who like this. Yes, it, it, it is. It's it's difficult to follow at times. I mean, for all that is is you know the episode everyone talks about. But in terms of like a, a mystery with lots of questions, yeah. in terms of like shocking imagery of yeah. them in the cases, it's yeah. terrific. It is, and it's kind of like, you know, oh, this is our future. This is what's going to happen. So you'd expect from this point them to spend the next three episodes really worrying about like predeterminism yeah. versus everything. You know, like if I step outside, will that lead me into this cave? Or I don't, you know, and really questioning their actions and whatnot. And it kind of doesn't happen. No, you would expect that, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kind of oh, so the music's swelling. They're back in their clothes. Yeah. And the TARDIS is back outside. They're in, the, they're in the new clothes. The, the oh, Captain okay. Cool. The glass of water's gonna smash. They can now see yeah. the TARDIS. But that idea of like time catching up with them, that's yeah. really exciting, isn't it? Now we go. Here come the the aliens. Oh, and here come the footprints. You might yeah. have had the music as well, but like that that builds there, doesn't it? That was great music. Yeah. 
they the grass has disappeared, and now they are left with three episodes to figure out how not to end up in. So you know here where they're kind of a bit wobbly. So this is time literally like catching up with them. You're you're yeah. in the present now. Yes. Okay. I mean, I think we've done an okayish job here of explaining this plot. You know. And we've arrived. But do you know, I, I, I asked this question to somebody the other day, is should you always know the answers? Because sometimes, like, um, a mystery is more satisfying when it isn't answered, because the answers are so bad. It is. Um, you know, there's... The, I'm saying that, it's like the, the cliffhanger itself is never as satisfying as the resolution. Very um, rarely, yeah, really rarely. I can think you know, of a few. I think of, do you remember like um, the pirate planet where he has to jump the plank? Yeah. And then in the next episode, he's like, "Aha! It was on the hologram all along." You know. <laughs> like, yeah. And there was there was one I watched yesterday. The other day was Colony in Space. Oh yeah. Episode four, where the master's like, "You were going to find yourself with a stray bullet." And the resolution is that someone just walks in on him, just as he's about right. to deliver that line. So the yeah. whole. It's like completely really shot that the man walks in and you're like, that didn't happen last week. Did you watch you know? the Mind of Evil as well? And it's like, you know, uh, the mailer's like, yeah, you're going to die, doctor. And then it's like, yeah. bang, thank you, Brigadier. But if you could, you know, think to arrive before the nick of it, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, I think I, 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 I can get away with that one because it's, you know, the, the Mind of Evil is the Brigadier, you know, being a soldier, isn't it? He's he's really um, earning his... Yeah, yeah. He's, rank there of um you know dead shot the, the worst thing about this cliffhanger which is a really great cliffhanger is the resolution is the rest of the space museum <laughs> <laughs> which is no which we are going to defend um, we are. so let's skip on into episode two <laughs>